And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, uh, Michael. Hello. Hi, this is Joe Plummer. Hey, Joe Plummer. man. Hey, how's it going? Good. Uh, I want to apologize for calling you and texting you so much. I just... I, that's okay. I, uh, I'd like to get a tour story from you, if that's okay. I mean, we toured together, but, you know, I thought it would be yeah. okay to reach <laughs> yeah. out. We haven't talked in two yeah. years. But... No, I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, what do you think? Any, any time? Yeah, to sure, I, I guess the short answer is no. You know. Oh, are you, are you kidding? Or? I mean, yeah, no, that would be the short answer. I mean, a longer answer would be kind of, you know, my mm. answer is no. Um, All right. Um, maybe I caught you at a bad time. It's possible there could be a better time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's. That could be it. Okay. You want to reach out to me? You want me, to, or you want me to call you? Yeah, maybe back? we do it that way. Yeah, maybe we do it that way. Yeah. Nope. Okay. Well, I'll just if it ever uh, becomes a a maybe or a yes, I'll reach out to you. Okay. The, pro- the big big problem is that there's just a, a lack of interest, I guess. Oh. Okay. Uh, I feel like I caught you at a bad time. Um, what time is it? I, it's uh, I think it's eight or something your time it's not too late yeah that's but... no that's yeah that's kind of a bad time yeah um, okay yeah it might be that okay all right well all right I'll start again I will I'll just call you oh no I'm sorry you call me okay okay very good all right. Hey. 
Sometimes at the end of a tour you're exhausted, sometimes you lose focus, and sometimes you lose your bass guitar. Michael tells us about his hunt for a bass that drags him through a labyrinth of previous owners, guitar shops, and internet searches. We also meet a hard-boiled detective that may be the window into Michael's next career. From Ruinous Media, this is Tour Stories. It was this beautiful Vox Phantom bass, cream white and very odd shape, kind of like Pentagon Bay. It's a beautiful little bass. So it happened three years ago now, actually. I was touring with Alden in the summer of 2015. We were just billing us as Alden Tenor and Michael Sarah, which it was not very creative. But we didn't really know what we were doing. We were just kind of going out and playing music together and playing some of his songs and some of my songs. So that's what we were doing. And I had brought along a whole bunch of shit to tour with. I brought my big synthesizer. That's an old Roland Jupiter 4. Giant, giant thing. It was the biggest thing to move around every night. So anyway, the point is that we were constantly focused on this synthesizer when we were in transit. And when I came back mm -hmm. to New York, I had to do it all by myself. We'd been, you know, like three men on this thing while we were touring, like carrying it around. And then I was the only one coming back to New York. They all went back to Montreal after. We had played in Germany the night before, and then I just didn't sleep, and I took a flight home the next morning, and I was exhausted, and I was so focused on this synthesizer. So I landed in New York and had to get this thing home on my own. And then this is the embarrassing part of the story. A few weeks go by after I'm home from touring. Mm -hmm. And then one day I asked myself where my base is. <laughs> and um, mm -hmm. I was very confused that it had vanished. I had an airport parking situation with my car, and I, so I shuttled everything over from the airport to the airport parking lot, and I think I just left my base in the back of this shuttle van. That was the only thing that could have happened. Me and my girlfriend started scouring Twitter for Vox Phantom Base around the dates that I landed at the airport, and some guy had taken a picture of my base and posted it at the Newark airport, and he was like, look at this beauty. So I was like, okay. You know, that was the first clue of kind of what happened. There's proof that somebody was in contact with it, and they didn't report it and, you know, return it to the airport or something. So it was stolen, technically. So I contact a detective at the Newark airport, Detective Cantonary. He and I developed a sort of relationship. I mean, late-night phone calls, you know, mouths full of food on the phone. Mike, he started calling me Mike very early on, and then I knew we were partners in this thing. That was great. And I have to tell you, I would, I, you'll see, I sort of did all the most impressive detective work, not to slight Dave, but Dave said to me, you could be a detective if you wanted to, which I think is probably <laughs> one of the most meaningful things anyone said to me. When someone right. compliments my cooking or tells me I can be a detective, I get all red. So I'm in touch with Dave. He's like, he's like, Mike, we, we we got nothing to go on here. He's like, let me tell you, you know, he tells me all the statistics of how few things get brought home and everything. And, but this is technically um, grand larceny because the base is worth more than a thousand dollars. So that was exciting okay. to me that I was part yes. of the grand larceny case. So anyway, there's a place in Brooklyn called Retrofret. It's a little guitar store, and they're great people over there. 
So I go there, and I'm thinking about buying myself a bass, you know. I'm thinking about moving on. And I talked to Peter Coleman. He works at Retrofret, and I started telling him the story in my um, bass. And he goes, well, if you have the serial number, I'll keep my eyes peeled for it, you know, if anyone comes in here with it. And then I get an email from him the next day. So this guy, Peter, he's obsessed with Vox Phantom basses. They're like one of his passions. So much so that he's always looking online for them and scouring eBay, etc. And he emails me. He says, Michael, your base was on eBay two weeks ago, and I saved the photos. And I see the photos that were posted on eBay of my base. And he says to me, not only that, this particular base, this very base, 65401, was owned by me from 1985 to 1992. No. He owned my base. And there's a little um, crack on my base in the top right corner. He says, I made that crack. When um, one night I left a gig in frustration, I picked up the case, but it wasn't closed. And the base flew out and hit a coffee table. And at this point, it's too exciting of a story to me that I feel like it's going to come home to me now. I mean, it's like something's happening. So that's, uh, you know, I'm like, kind of losing my mind and I also feel like okay we got a lead here we got photos from the eBay post I mean the post is taken down it's gone so I said to him do you know what the username was did you save that and he said I didn't save that I just saved the pictures so I call up Dave I'm freaking out he says calm down calm down I've never heard you like this before I say um, I got these photos and I show him the photos and you know he says we're going to contact eBay, file a complaint with eBay, show them the photos, maybe they can get us the username. eBay completely sucks in this whole process, by the way. They never get back to us. They were never helpful in the least. We had to get a um, an affidavit or something. Cantonary's like, that's going to take time. And every second that goes by, I feel like the base is getting you know, further away. So we're fighting the clock. I'm sniffing around. So I go to um, this place called Rivington Guitars. And I'm looking there and talking to the guys that work there, and I tell them the story. And the guy says to me, why don't you go on this thing called Terra Peak? It's a website. It's like a search engine that basically has logged all eBay listings going like 10 years back. I had never heard of this. So I was like, well, that seems very promising. So I go home. I search Box Phantom Bass. I put, like, kind of the era of when it was there, and I find the page, and I find the guy. I do a search on him. I find a YouTube page of him, and I'm like, this is the guy. And then I see his apartment in the video. It's the same place as where the photos were taken in the eBay ad. I'm like, we got him dead to rights. This is the guy. I got his identity. So I call Cantonary, tell him the news. This is when he tells me you could be a detective if you wanted. I said, thanks, but let's, you know, let's celebrate later. I appreciate that, but let's focus on the work at hand, like I'm always telling him. We find out the guy he sold it to. He sold it on eBay to a guy in Florida called Dr. J, who basically owns, like, hundreds of guitars. You know, he's like a big a business of turning around guitars, buying them, and selling them. So I tell Peter, the guy at Retrofed, I say, we found the guy. 
who sold it and the guy who bought it. And I tell him who bought it, and he says, Dr. J is the guy that I sold the bass to in 1992. So Dr. J owns the bass from 92 to, like, the early 2000s when I bought it. And um, then it goes back to him. So I, I'm like, Dr. J, he's going to love this story, and he's going to, you know, it's going to be easy to get my bass back from him. We just contact him. We're like, we'll deal with Gustavo later, you know. Let's get the bass. This is where the story takes a sad turn. Dr. J, like days before we got in contact with him, has taken the bass to a guitar convention and sold it for cash in hand without a trace. We don't know who they are, and that's the last trace I've ever had of it. It sort of uh, builds to an anticlimax, but like we said, I hope that we're still smack in the middle of it. And I really do hope that one day it comes home. You're out of time, out of time. I think I'd like to broadcast through your podcast, just in case anyone's listening, the serial number, which is 65401. Because if anyone ever heard this and brought it home to me, that would be a very happy ending. Thanks to Michael for the story. <laughs> Tune in to ruinousmedia.com slash tour stories for more stories.